This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Hey, good morning, Chicago. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink. I am the CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company. And I'm Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group right here in the Chicagoland area. We are a wealth planning, retirement planning firm. Do everything from investment, tax planning, estate planning. We do it all. We do a complete planning uh, for our clients. If you would like to have Tom take a look at your investments and your retirement, uh, please give him a call, 630-934-1855. That's actually the number that you can use also to ask us a question or send us a text, comment on the show, 630-934-1855. We would love to hear from you. You can also go to alphawealthgroup.com. And by the way, we did get a whole bunch of texts and emails from our listeners this week responding to some of the topics we've covered over the past week or two. And we're going to get to those uh, in just a minute, but I thought maybe we would start with some of the news of the week, Tom. Mm -hmm. So this story kind of shocked me. Uh, The National Association of Realtors says the median price, national price of a home in March was about (coughs) $375,000. The Wall Street Journal had that number pegged at well over 400,000, like four and a quarter. I just was like, that's mm-hmm. a huge number. But home sales are down 22% from a year ago, and I'm kind of amazed by that. I mean, if you think about it, to be down almost 25% is a really big number. And at the height of the pandemic, I think there were almost 6.7 million transactions, and I think that's down now to like 4 million. So that's a, mm-hmm. that's a really, really big number. The other thing that really struck me is that at today's interest rates, you would need to earn over $100,000 to afford a $375,000 house. I mean, interest rates are like 6.5% now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, this week, uh, existing home sales came out. I mean, it's just so much data and then you get into new home sales and building permits and you can talk all about many of these things yeah home prices are coming down sales are coming down the month supply of uh, homes out there is come is going up uh which is a good thing i guess um you know so we're in a position here where i guess i make a couple points number one i think it's a good thing because what's happened unfortunately for so many years up until about a year we've created somewhat of an asset bubble when it comes to home so a lot of these have become unaffordable 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 sorry hard to say that unaffordable for (laughs) for individuals and so you know there's there's been these massive distortions and unfortunately to get back to what's called normal um, you know, we swing the other, the pendulum swings kind of the other way with higher mortgage rates and prices come down and hopefully we can create a balance here. This is not uncommon what, regardless of what asset class we're talking about. Certainly, again, in this case, it's real estate. So maybe where balance comes out, just like water finding its level, uh, maybe it gets to a point where, okay, mortgage rates are going to end up around 5%, 4 to 5%, which again, this is normal. Um, that um, and then the value of homes and then supplies can start you know more building permits and and and, um, and the supply of homes will will start to increase and then we can get to back to some normalcy 
the point too is why do I care? I shouldn't say it that way, but from a standpoint, <laughs> you of, should care because for those, <laughs> let me rephrase that. No, okay. um, you know what does this portend for the market? Well, certainly the economy and the market. You know, and 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 when so when we see see home sales that are robust and things that are happening in the in the housing market, because some people are like I'm in my house, I'm no have no plans on moving, I'm fine. But it also has uh, can have an impact because when you think about it, existing home sales. I think I think the number was around four point four million, and as you said, it was much higher. But when when those are more robust, people are spending more money. There's more furniture sales, more re, you know whatever. Oh, exactly! Uh, it it adds a so huge it, amount right, into the it economy. It impacts the economy and the market, yeah. and these are positive signs for the market. So that's just a takeaway from. Why do I care if I'm sitting in a house that I know I'm not going to sell and I'm not looking? These have an impact, and these are these are why some of these indicators, whether it's jobs, CPI, all that, this is a big indicator in the market. Yeah, and I think that the corollary to that is some numbers came out uh, last week. <clears throat> maybe it was the week before. Um, you know, we've had a really robust remodeling industry for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the people were doing pandemic remodelings, and they were – you know, buying these fixer-uppers in more rural communities, and then they were actually fixing them up. That boosted all kinds of industries, but if you think about the material side of it, it's wallboard and carpet and paint and all the things that you just mentioned. But according to the remodeling industry, that's being dialed back now. And so if you're invested in those areas, mm-hmm. the companies that manufacture or do that kind of work, you might see some changes. And I think you just have to take a look at the large picture, right? How mm-hmm. every little thing impacts the economy. Yeah, and it's good to know. I mean, going back to when this boom was happening and, uh, you know, Sherman Williams, the pay, you know, that, was, that stock was going great. But for the average investor, I mean, if you're a stock picker, yeah, there's opportunities to look at you know, these different sectors and what you might purchase in the market. But for the average investor, I mean, it's not as impactful, but it's good to know and understand, I think, these data points and as it relates to the overall economy. Again, if you're if you're a stock picker, you can take a look at these trends and say, here's, I'm going to own commodities or I'm going to buy an individual stock. You know, the home builders, certainly, you can even buy exchange-traded funds. The home builders has an exchange-traded fund for just home builders, like, uh, you know, if you take a look at any of them, uh, Pulte. Mm-hmm. Like, like Pulte or something. All so, of these, mm-hmm. instead of buying the individual stocks. Uh, but it's good to know. You, you know, uh, Robert Schiller, is, a, is if you ever see the Case-Shiller Index, that came out, too. He's I really like Robert Schiller. He's, uh, he's created yeah. that index. He's he's a fount of information and he's he's really objective. So if you ever get to you know look up him and some of the information he does and his index case Schiller and and also he has that um, that cyclical um, index on the overall market. It's called the CAPE C A P E. Um, you know he looks at the average uh, to determine the valuations of the market. Uh, he's a great resource on a lot of this stuff. I have to say one thing I love about Robert Schiller is I think he's the one who said that for the last 50 years, he's been 100% invested in equities. Uh-huh. He's never had, he doesn't do bonds. And the reason he doesn't is that over, he totally believes in what you, you know you say all the time, there's never been a 20-year losing cycle. Mm-hmm. And that, he said, has so powered his retirement um, that even if he now has a losing year, it doesn't really matter. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I just think that's incredibly 
Interesting. We have to take a short break. Uh, if you've got questions or comments or thoughts uh, I'd like to share, 630-934-1855. You can call or text, or you can just go to alphawealthgroup.com and leave us a message. We'll be back in a moment with more of This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to This Week in Wealth. I'm Elise Glink here with Tom Fortino of the Alpha Wealth Group. As always, you can find Tom at alphawealthgroup.com. Take a look at all the really cool information he has on his website as well. I think you'll find some of it incredibly useful. And you can always call or text 630-934-1855. And speaking of texts, we got a bunch of them this week from you guys. uh, And responding to last week's show and and one from the week before. And thought we'd go through one of them uh, because this one I thought, Tom, had some really good thoughts and lessons. Mm Mm-hmm from some of the stuff that we did. So I'm just going to read it. Uh, This is from Linda. I heard your show this morning. I'm a retired math teacher with a 36-year second marriage. I have multiple IRAs, all now at Fidelity for very good reasons. The inherited one from my late spouse, so I guess her first marriage ended uh, with her spouse's death, goes to my late husband's trust when I die, which includes my stepchildren, as does her home. I think the home is separate. Um, my IRA assets from work and my inherited IRA from my mom go to my two biological children. This is so complicated <laughs> through a trust. Second marriages need to be carefully considered. My biological daughter is trustee and has been instructed, along with my financial advisor, good for her, she has one, you'd need one with this, mm-hmm. which accounts are to be disclosed to whom, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Past that, my will states that my jewelry and musical instruments are to be divided amongst my biological grandchildren since my mother's money was used to purchase those. I'd rather have, and this is where she kind of comes to the point, I'd rather have 10 accounts and know that those correctly benefit per my wishes. By the way, withdrawals are taken out evenly across all IRAs because that's the fair thing to do. And she loves our show, Tom. Hmm. Always very nice. So, So you know, this, I think, gets to kind of a bunch of stuff that we've talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the takeaways here is the point is, you know, you can put things in place um, that will accommodate or accomplish the things that you want, whatever your wishes are, if there are second marriages, right? And this is why this is important, because, you know, you if you don't do some of these things, it could be an absolute mess because now it's going to potentially be exposed to the probate court system. You've got people in this system. You may have attorneys involved where you're going to, you know, whatever it might be, thousands and thousands of dollars. And as we always say, when it goes to court, nobody wins. And so, and, and then, you know, just the problems with the family. And so uh, this is why we talk about, you know, when I, we talk about estate planning, and I would say that's one of these five pieces of your retirement plan, when I define retirement planning, having mm-hmm. a legacy and an estate plan. Um, and understand how do you set those things up. If if you don't put these things in place, someone else will make those decisions for your family. So, you know, I met with someone just the other day. You know, um, their, their, um, their stepmother had passed away. Their father had passed away prior to that. Well, there were children from each marriage. And so what they did is they named one child from one marriage, one child from another as co-trustees to take over the trust. And so... Um, you know, this is why it's important. And that's why I guess the most fundamental thing is we always say you want to have a living trust in place um, to, uh, to, to, you know, to make sure that 
assets that are owned by that trust, whether it's real estate, bank accounts, brokerage accounts, in the name of the trust, because the trust can hold title, and because trusts don't die or get sick, they don't go through probate, this is so critical and fundamental to your plan. And then the other pieces are these beneficiary designations. And so this is why we talk about having that, you know, in one way, shape, or form, either your assets will be controlled by these documents, powers of attorney, if you become incapacitated, or they will flow through these documents to your, your children and your loved ones. So, you know, I obviously I get a little animated about it, but I just, I'm not the attorney. We have an attorney that does that at our firm, but it's something I'm very, um, I like to say, the technical term is I bug my clients until they get it done. <laughs> Something like that. It's just, I, you know, I'm really uncomfortable unless someone has all these things in place. And you can see how critical it is. Yeah. It's so, and this is such a really interesting story because clearly she's had a very long second marriage. The first marriage must have been mm-hmm. short, two children out of it. But, um, you know, obviously, you know, she's probably now in her 70s um, or maybe 80s. I don't know. It just sort of depends. Um, but she's thought through with her current spouse, you mm-hmm. know, how to be fair to everybody, mm-hmm. right? There's clearly, this is really a lot of thought and a lot of preparation, and she knows what she wants to do. And it sounds to me like she's really communicated that with her children and stepchildren, her biological mm-hmm. children and her stepchildren. Um, and that she, and she says, second marriages need to be carefully considered. I find that when people, write to me, uh, oftentimes it's not as fair. It's not as fairly considered. And I wish that people would do that because I think, you know, over a lifetime, you know, you build up trust. And, you know, if you're always showing favoritism towards your biological children, I, I think kids get that. And, mm-hmm. and when you die, how you've left your estate really is how they remember you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I say, and I, and I do mean this. I don't just say it, to, you know, for a fact. One of the best things, if not the best thing you can do for your family is to have these things in place, right? If you if they don't know what your wishes are, and I'll say this too, for the, whether it's second marriage or just, you know, first marriages and so on, family members, you know, most of the time, you know, and we do family meetings, but, you know, the children, it's not a lot of times about the dollars and cents. It's not, that's not what it's about, but knowing your wishes because if they don't know your wishes you know they're going to be sitting around the table talking just trying to figure out what's going on that's why this stuff is so critical i mean we have tons of information by the way too you know we have a beneficiary report we have a estate planning reports we have the six essential documents and we'll make those available to anybody i mean as you know at least we could have an entire show and then some on estate planning because there's a lot of moving uh moving parts here but um, you, the, the, the bottom line is it's something really you want to sit down and, and uh, put in place, make sure assets are titled properly, beneficiaries are set up, and yeah, your wishes no. are, are communicated. Yeah, I, I, I can think of so many times we get, you know, Sam and I get letters at thinklink.com from people who have really mucked it up or they're, they've, you know, their parents are gone and then they discover that there's mm-hmm. a huge problem, you know, with property or somebody has stolen this or this disappeared or this right. was re- you know titled incorrectly so it never made it into the trust so you know there's just all kinds of weird stuff mm-hmm. and then your kids even in a good estate by the way folks i don't know if you realize this but even in a well planned well organized well documented estate you can have an absolute nightmare in your hands if things pop up that were not expected and and anyway it's even in a well-planned estate it just takes time and effort and energy that you would rather be spending mourning your loss rather Mm -hmm. than 
going through paperwork. So just, you know, so important to do this. Uh, if you've got questions about this, 630-934-1855. Happy to talk you through it. Tom's happy to talk you through it on a one-by-one basis as well. You can go to alphawealthgroup.com and leave us a message. We'll be back in a moment with another half of the show, This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the second half of This Week in Wealth. If you're just joining us, I'm Elise Glink. I'm CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company, and I'm here with Tom Fortino, the founder and principal of the Alpha Wealth Group. And you can find us at 630-934-1855 or just go to alphawealthgroup.com. So last week, we talked about how some of our listeners took cash from their elderly parents and then repaid them, sort of like an annuity, Tom, except Mm -hmm. I guess they don't pay fees for that. Um, (laughs) We got a text from Scott who said that he's doing exactly that, but he had a really unique twist to it. He said, I took a $300,000 gift from my dad and I gift him back $15,000 a year or $1,250 a month. Um, So that's cash flow. And I don't need a bank, and he gets 5% until he passes. It sounds like then what he used that money for was to buy a really nice lake house so that his kids and grandkids and great-grandkids get Mm -hmm. to visit and enjoy and see how that nest egg is being used. So it sounds like a kind of a cool family thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the old win-win, I guess, uh, that phrase. But, um, <laughs> you know, all of these things, it's it's interesting, you know, with families, every there's just these dynamics that take place. Now, technically, we talked about this, I think, last week about gifting. I mean, if it's a loan, it's technically not a gift. So we just want to discern, you know, between those things as far as, you know, we talked about you can gift $17,000 per person per year to your children and um so you know if a, a couple wants to give one child 17 each that's 34,000 you can gift to a child without you know any tax implications that's the gift tax rules per year yeah. and in this case if it's a loan i guess it's treated a little differently you're not gifting it to them it is a loan but in the in this example you know we just want to be we you know be clear of this is a benefit it's worked out really well but you just want to maybe accommodate for some things uh you know, as I said, do you work? We just talked about estate planning, at least. So, you know, do you say um, whatever the loan balance is, and you can put this in your estate plan? You know, if he, if this person has more than one child, he he loaned three hundred to a child. Um, do, does the balance is that to be deducted from his share of the estate? Well, we want to accommodate for that, right? Um, we should be, be be aware of that. Um, we talked about before what happens if there's a divorce. Uh, what happens to those assets? So there's just things you want to be aware of when you when you you set these things up and how you do them. You just it's tough. I'm not saying you can prepare for everything, but it's good to have a conversation of okay, how do we want to make sure we structure this properly, right? Yeah, and actually, you bring up a really good point because he really did take a loan to buy a property, and he's paying him back, you know, whatever twelve fifty a month, and. You know, that's 5%. He could be because that's actually within the IRS realm of arm's length transaction uh, amounts. Um, And the IRS, for those of you who don't know this, actually publishes interest rates that it considers to be legitimate transactions so -hmm. that you can write off that interest on that property. So, for example, if this had been documented as a proper loan, a $300,000 loan, and the amount that he's paying him back um, at 5%, uh, which is actually 
it's not really 5% because it's probably like 4% plus the equity, right, that he's paying back. But let's just assume it's at 5%. You know, let's say he doesn't have any other uh, interest that he's paying on any other homes. He might be able to, you know, write this off. Or Mm -hmm. if this is actually a rental property that they use for two weeks a year as the family, right? There's other ways to really structure it and think about it. You might also want to make sure that, and this is to your point, that if this is a property that is being used um, in the family, if there's a divorce, if you put, you don't want this property to disappear or have to be sold. So if you put it in a trust, mm-hmm. then right. it's then it's protected. Right, and in, in you know it's, it's this uh, just as another example. Um, you know, uh, there was inherited assets and this is with my family, my, you know, my brother, myself, my sister. And so what I did, of course, cause I do this, I set up a separate trust for my brother. Well, I had the attorney do it <laughs> for my brother and my sister separate. So those inherited assets went into the trust. They were not marital assets. Um, subsequent to that, unfortunately, my brother divorce, well, those assets weren't part. They were not, they were not marital assets. They were inherited assets. Um, and so, uh, they were not included even though. As an aside, uh, the, my ex-sister-in-law tried to get them, but uh, <laughs> well, I would. That's the too. best person on the planet. But uh, well, if they were, um, they were if not, she was, they'd still be married, I guess. You know. I guess there you go. But just as there's so many things to consider when you're looking at setting these things up. So to your point, does it make sense to put an asset in a trust for the time being? Once it's paid off, then transfer of title occurs. It's just different. Again, every family is different, and but there's. Like we talked about previously with the retired teacher, these things can be structured uh, a lot of ways to try to prevent these potential what ifs. Yeah, I I also you know want to just throw in another thought here. You know, so for the grandparents, this happened. This is a case that Sam dealt with this week. Got an emergency call from a client. Um, dad was going in for uh, very severe cancer surgery, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the kids realized that nothing was titled appropriately. <laughs> and they're like, we need to get these things into the trust. The parents hadn't done it. And there were three properties in three different states. Mm. One in Illinois and, you know, one maybe in Florida and one maybe, right. I don't know, some vacation home somewhere that made me think about it. And Sam needed to work with them, you know, in a 24-hour period to get all of these things titled appropriately and into the trust so that, you know, if that surgery didn't go well... Um, mm-hmm. That everybody was that things would flow to the spouse sure. in the right way, and and it was just done under this kind of hurried freak out thing mm-hmm. where kind of everybody had to mobilize and get it done, and you know it could have gone. And he's okay. The guy, you know, he came through the mm-hmm. surgery okay, but you know he might not have because <laughs> that's how yeah. the world works sometimes. Sadly, but yeah. at least the properties are now properly titled and in the right place. Yeah, it took an event, and this is why powers of attorney. I, I, there was someone who became a client of mine, and they just be, and we, I'd shown them, hey, you got assets that are not in your trust. Well, I got a phone call one day. I'm driving from the wife, and she said, my husband's in a coma. Oh God! And we had a power of attorney, and this is another document separate from the trust. So mm-hmm. guess what? We took that power of attorney and we started retitling assets. Again, we she'd only been a client for they'd only been clients for a brief period of time. So, but this was something I pointed out, and that was something we're going to get to. This is why this is important to have these things in place because assets will be frozen unless you have these things in place to be able to act on the behalf of your loved ones. Yeah, I I think that you have to. It's always about the worst case scenario and the things that you don't want to think about. Yeah. 
And Not the most pleasant conversation. It isn't. But, you know, here's what's so important, Tom. And, and again, you know, think about just something so simple as a will, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, maybe you do a will when you have your first child and you're like, oh, we need a will. We need to, you know, whatever. And then you don't think about it again because no. your will says, and any future children, you know, the person who's going to take care of them is this and this. Yeah. And now it's 25 years later. You've started and sold businesses. You've made good investments. Sure. The other, you know, now you've had a few more children. Maybe there's a grandchild. Mm-hmm. And suddenly your will is just, it's like, it's like when you need a haircut and you just let it go for like 20 years. And now you're Rip Van Winkle. I don't know. That was a lot of mixed metaphors. We have to take a quick break. I'm going to rejigger my metaphors for everybody. We'll come back in a moment um, and talk about Social Security, our favorite topic here on This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN. I'm Elise Glink. I'm here with Tom Fortino, uh, the founder and principal of Alpha Wealth Group. If you've got a comment, want to call or text 630-934-1855, or you can always go to Tom's website, alphawealthgroup.com, where he has just a ton of information on things like trusts and wills and estate planning and all the stuff we were just talking about. All right, Tom, new subject. When's your birthday? Uh, it is um, Wait, today. you're thinking about it? It's today. Your birthday's today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today's the 30th, right? Yeah. Happy birthday. Well, thank you. I, I didn't realize that today. That, I, thought you were, I thought you couldn't remember. <laughs> no, it's today. <laughs> well, happy birthday and many yeah. happy returns. That was not a setup. You didn't know that. I totally didn't know that. If you could see my face, folks, I'm like completely shocked. I'm picking my job from the floor. Well, um, okay. So I'm going to not sing happy birthday to you. Although, okay. you know, maybe Jerry will put in, like, happy birthday music behind the scenes here. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, my birthday is coming up in July. So this week I got my Social Security notification, and mm-hmm. uh, I went online to see what my earnings were. And I was kind of amazed to see that if I wait until I'm 70, I'm going to get over $4,000 a month from the IRS, which is more than I thought. But I guess the last few years we've had these dramatic increases. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I guess that's kind of what's done it, right? Well, that's yeah, that's part of it. I mean, last year was over eight percent. The year before it was over six percent. Now these are in addition to what's called the delayed retirement credit of eight percent. So, for example, if inflation was zero, and there's been a couple of years where it, years ago where it didn't increase, but when you look at your Social Security statement, it shows your What's nice now, when you go to ssa.gov, they show every year, starting at 62, 63, every year they show how it increases by 8%. That's called the delayed retirement credit. That's what you get. So if it's 30000 a year at age 65, it's going to be 32400 at age 66. Now, in addition to that 8%, there's also a, this cost of living that every October, and they'll do it again this October, May or may not add something to it, but it's been pretty significant. So then they adjust the next year on the Social Security. So it could act, effectively, if it was a 4% increase plus the 8%, it could go up by 10, 12% um, over a year. So that's what you were seeing. And so when we talk about Social Security, um, you know, part of this whole process is the claiming strategies of, hey, the longer you defer it, the higher the benefit is for the rest of your life. And oh, by the way, as I've said before, keep in mind, it's not just your life. If that benefit is higher, that higher benefit stays with the surviving spouse. So it's really for two lives. So we just we just have to be careful 
with these claiming strategies um, when we talk about Social Security benefits. Yeah, I know. And as we always say, it's not for everybody to wait until they're 70. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I have a, you know, a cushy white-collar job here you know, where I talk on the radio. So you know, I could see myself you know, being as old as John Records Landecker and doing the show. I, you know, I listened to him when I was a kid, and he still does a great show. Um, but, you know, something could happen. I could lose my voice, let's say, God forbid. Uh, you know, and then that wouldn't mm-hmm. be, I wouldn't be able to work like mm-hmm. this anymore. So, you know, it's interesting to sort of have that claiming strategy and to think about, well, what would it be if you had to take it at 62? And I think for me at 62, it's around 3000 a month. And if I wait until I'm 70, it'll be over 4000 a month. And to your point, it'll probably be higher. Like, I was surprised because I hadn't looked at it in a couple of years because I'm so far away from retirement. But I looked because I got it and I was like, oh, I should look because Tom tells me I should look. So <laughs> I looked. And so even though it's 4000 now, that's in today's dollars, right? As if I were Correct. 70 today. Yep. So if I look in like five years, it might be 4500 a month. Well, yeah, I mean, you could do a, say, if, uh, you know, you could just run, you just a future value, you could calculate, or if you want to do it, and say, if this, if this uh, compounds at a 3% inflation rate in the next five years, you can figure it out. It's just a math problem. But, uh, yeah, it could be, you know. Um, again, 3%, and if you're looking at, I mean, that's 48000 but even if it's, you know, 50000 you're looking at a $1,500 increase. You can just say over five years or 1500 you know, do the math again. That's seven thousand added on to it. So anyway, we don't have do math problems on air, but <laughs> I, you my, know, I think math on air is, is great. <laughs> I, I really do. Uh, a new people, program, math on air. I see how that goes for you. At least <laughs> you know what? It's funny, but it, it just total aside here. In an, in another life, when I was doing radio for WSB in Atlanta, three or four times a year, we would have these tax experts come on uh-huh. the show, and we would literally take tax questions from people and give them tax answers and send them to IRS.gov. And believe it or not, people love those shows. <laughs> they, <laughs> they just, well, yeah. They just like they love our show. So <laughs> lots of lots of detailed questions. So, it, But the point I wanted to get to about this, and by the way, folks, it is so easy to set up an online account with Social Security, yes. and there is so much great information on that website. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can check all of your look back and see, you know, back when you made 11000 a year as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, in your, your 20s. Your history is there. Yeah. yeah. And there might be errors. There could be errors. Although I had it's three a, zeros. Did you really? I did. Wow. So what mm-hmm. did you do about that? Well, I contacted Social Security, and they said, well, can you prove it? And I'm like, why do I have to prove it? I sent you a check because I'm self-employed, so I do a self-employment tax. And mm-hmm. uh, it's in my taxes every year, so I have to gather up my taxes, send them to them, prove It's like, do you guys talk to each other? Just call the IRA. I sent the money in. I paid my taxes. Why do I have to prove it to you? But anyway, that can happen. So you, it, that's another reason to look and get these things corrected because it, it can impact your benefit. You know, that's a great point, because we typically only keep, I mean, we had all of our joint taxes from, you know, the time we were married about a million years ago. And I think finally, Sam digitized it all and shredded it. But Mm -hmm. we didn't save it for that purpose, which was to prove that Social Security was correct. We saved it because it's such great historical documentation. And Mm -hmm. we thought maybe one day our kids would think it was hilarious that Mm -hmm. for a whole year, mom only earned $18,000, you know, because someday they'll make that in a month, I guess. I don't know what he was thinking. But it's also also useful to be able to prove to Social Security that they've got a mistake. 
Yeah, I well, I I know, and I have to do that. I wish they, you know, they would just contact the IRS. It's all there. I thought, you know, but it is what it is. I'll I'll get it. I'll get it um, squared away here soon. Well, maybe the IRS, if they actually had computer systems that weren't 50 years old, <laughs> might be able to talk to other computers. But the IRS is having trouble hiring yeah. people who can get onto their, you know, C++ or something even older. COBOL is what mm-hmm. I think they program in. So they're they're going to replace all that in a few years. Um, anyway, I was um, another thing I was thinking about with this is that, you know, you must have cl- clients where... You say, look, you know, retirement uh, before you actually hit 65 when you're eligible for Medicare is a possibility and Mm -hmm. you're financially comfortable never to work enough, you know, work again. How do you run those numbers for somebody asking for a friend? No, um, but seriously, how do you Mm -hmm. run those numbers so that people who maybe are 56 or 58 who, you know, maybe don't imagine because they're in a job, so they get health care covered, right? Which is super expensive. How do you help them think it through and think through, you know, have that transition into retirement at an early age? Yeah, I mean, the first part is, you know, you have to understand what you're going to need. One of them is you're talking about if you do retire, health care is an expense. And so we can run the numbers to give them something where they, you know, okay, is it 1500 a month? I hate to say these numbers. Or is it $1,000 a month? But that's part of your budget. You have to expense for that on top of everything else. So add that to the pot. I need another 12000 a year for health care. Whatever those numbers are, you're never going to get to the penny. But once you start there and say, okay, this is what I need. Okay, we have a number. It's 100000 a year. It's 120000 a year. Once you have that goal in mind, you can run the analysis. And we do this all the time. We factor in everything from inflation to taxes you know, to market volatility, we run it to age 95, so, so we take into longevity. You throw everything you can at it to try to create reality, and you can come up with a, um, with a number that says, yeah, you're in a good spot here, or hey, you're, there's a shortfall, and then what you need to do to get to that good number. So there's really ways to test a plan, and we do that all the time, so you can see where you stand. And so that would be my answer. There's ways to do it. Typically, we use a Monte Carlo analysis. I think that's a good way to do it statistically. Because it gives you, um, and the numbers are all there. It'll run it from for the next thirty years. You get to really do a deep dive, and uh, and it it just is very it's so helpful. Just like going to Social Security and seeing what your numbers are. We got to know our numbers. We got to understand where we stand. Boy, this can make a big difference in the decisions you make today, and hopefully, maybe even relieve some stress. So, message for the week. Now that we're completely <laughs> out of time, is life is really a math problem. So <laughs> there you go. It really, yeah. Hey, I like that. <laughs> Very if prophetic. Like, if you'd like Tom to run your math for you, six three zero nine three four eighteen fifty five, or you can always go to alphawealthgroup.com. And we're out of time for this week, but hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please join us again next week, and you can listen to past episodes at wgnradio.com. You can find me at bestmoneymoves.com or on at thinklink.com. But we hope you have a great week, everybody. Stay tuned for more on 720 WGN. 
Tom Fortino is an investment advisor representative of Retirement Wealth Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Advisor. Alpha Wealth Group, WGN, and RWA are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals specialized in fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by retirement wealth advisors. Insurance and annuities offered through Alpha Wealth Group, licensed in Illinois. Tom Fortino and Alpha Wealth Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.